Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to today's Saja webcast, your chance to interact with fascinating speakers from across the country and around the world. Please stay tuned for our next session. Hello everyone, welcome to Saja and another Saja conversation. We love using this blogtalkradio.com technology to connect with all of you. Remember, we have a fantastic archive of conversations with some of the most interesting and influential people in the world of politics, culture, arts, and more. And today we have another terrific conversation. To tell you all about it is Saja board member Trisha Sakuja, who is a journalist and manager at India.com. She is a bull, or she is the managing editor of Brown Girl Magazine and a former reporter at the Queen's Tribune. She's on Twitter, T Sakuja13, T-S-A-K-H-U-J-A-13. I hope you'll follow her and, of course, follow Saja at Saja HQ. Please check out our archive on Blog Talk Radio and look up saja.org to see all our terrific programming as well as the in in the in-person events and and the scholarship and fellowship opportunities. Trisha, welcome. Thanks, Sri. Thanks for the beautiful introduction. And hi, Saja folks. We're really excited to have you today uh, because we have a special guest who's speaking with us. Uh, It's uh, filmmaker Afia Nathaniel, and she's going to be speaking in great detail about her feature film, Star which was the official entry um, in in the foreign language arts section for the Academy Awards. And so, Afia, welcome. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak to us today. Thank you for having me, Saja and Trisha and Sri. So, you know, um, of course, this was your first feature film, and even better, like I said, it was submitted to the Oscars in the, the best foreign language film category, can you, before we get into all of that greatness, can you just give the listeners a summary of Dukhtar? Sure. Um, so the story of Dukhtar, um, the title itself means daughter in English. Uh, the story of Dukhtar is a story of a mother on the run with her 10-year-old daughter uh, to save her from a child marriage. And the film is set in Pakistan. Um, and while she's on the run, she meets uh, a truck driver on the road, you know, who's, who at first uh, is reluctant to carry them forward, but eventually he becomes a source of hope in their life. So the whole film, it's, um, it's, it's a kind of cat and mouse game, you know, as the, as the mother and child and this truck driver uh, try to dodge uh, the, the influence and the reach of the men who are hunting them down. So it's a thriller. It's a road trip film, and that's what it is. Yeah. So, you know, I'd like to let the listeners know that I had the privilege and honor of watching the film twice already, once at last year's South Asian International Film Festival, which it was awarded many different types of titles last year. So congratulations for that. Thank you. Thank you. And then I had the honor and privilege of seeing it again at, uh, in New York uh, on on the day of um, International Girl, actually. So, and 
in New York by Village Voice. It was the critics' pick. So, of course, I mean, Akia, the film's been um, awarded many different titles already. I'm sure it feels amazing. Can you tell us um, from your side how all this recognition has, has been for you? Um, you know, it's it's always a privilege for us, especially me, I think, um, to watch a film with a real audience. And uh, starting from last year, uh, when we premiered, we had our world premiere at Toronto right down till this year when we released in the U.S. Um, it's it's really been a tremendous, uh, a welcoming and warm reception wherever we've gone. And it's always always interesting to see how, you know, the film's universal message um, and the film's uh, universality sort of appeals to people from all countries. Uh, we've now played in more than 20 countries since last year. And uh, that's the one thing that always um, stands out for people is how they connect so viscerally uh, with the story and, and with Pakistan because they've never really seen a film uh, like this uh, come out from Pakistan, especially in the art house and foreign language genre, you know. So that's that's always fun to see that, you know. Yeah, of course. And and the fact that it was your first feature film, I mean, that makes it even better. Um, so I would love to start talking about the process of the film mm-hmm. and, and what made you uh, and write it and then, of course, direct it. Um, so the you know the seed for the film is inspired by a true story I heard many many years ago. It was uh, way back in '99 uh, when I was working for uh, an international women's nonprofit, and the story was uh, about a mother from the tribal regions of Pakistan and how she kidnaps her two young daughters and escapes from her village. And so, you know, that that image kind of stayed with me. It stuck in my mind. I, I, I couldn't let go of it. And and this power um, and, and the courage of this woman, you know, what what would propel her to do this, uh, this sudden thing, you know? What would her life be like on the road? Those were the questions that sort of stayed with me and, and made me uh, write a feature film. And, uh, you know, I was a student at that time when I started writing this film. And uh, it, 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 was, uh, it was a pretty organic uh, way to write it because I was away from Pakistan. I was very nostalgic. And I was very determined to, to not let um, this kind of a story be sort of buried. Because often in our culture, you know, when we hear stories of courage for and about women, um the you know it's it's often ignored or sort of brushed aside and often in our cinema we we only see one kind of glorification and that is the male uh hero's journey uh the male hero's courage those things are glorified so i didn't want to tell i wanted to tell a different kind of story and and so it was very organic i didn't consciously think, think that oh this is a woman's story um for me uh it was just a matter of staying true to the original mother's inspiring courage and to explore that in a larger context of pakistan and in a context where you know pakistan is caught between various forces uh, the forces of 
modernity, of, of tradition and fundamentalism. So I wanted to explore all of those within the threads of the story as well. Right, and 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 you did it very, very beautifully. I mean, it's been coined over and over again that Zukhtar is a bold, powerful, and largely feminist film. And whether you didn't intend to make it in such a way, of course, innately, just the person you are, that's the kind of film you produced. And I, I think it was absolutely beautiful and worth watching twice and then many times again. So I do want to talk to you about the filming itself. I know that it was done under freezing temperatures for 30 days straight, and more so you were with an all-male crew of 40. So how was that dynamic like, and how was it like shooting in, in, of course, which was very stunning scenes in Pakistan, but also very hard? (laughs) So as... As my producing partner likes to say, uh, you know, he likes to say, we picked the hardest possible combination and went forth with it. Uh, and I think I wouldn't have been able to do any of this without, you know, him being by my side. So I really want to lift up uh, his his role uh, in 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 sort of spearheading all the filming uh, and on the ground work. So we shot, um, you know, the whole film. It's a road trip film, and it begins uh, in the Gilgit-Baltistan area, which is the northernmost part of Pakistan. Um, and we shot in areas that were closer to China also in some in some areas. And the, the time that we eventually uh, picked, I wanted the fall look, you know, the late fall look, which which has something very surreal and stark in it because the landscape... Uh, the vast landscape, the mountains, um, the almost frozen river, you know, the leaves turning gold, um, those were going to be part of the frame. They were going to be part of the palette. And in some ways, uh, that informs uh, the look of the film and the feel of the film because it's a surreal journey of a mother and a daughter and, and this this crazy truck driver. And um, the the use of, uh, you know, the starkness of the landscape that was present there, I really wanted to capture that. So that's why it was it was close to winter. Um, it's, it's a landscape that's never really been, uh, you know, filmed in, in Pakistani cinema before. And I think we were the first local crew and cast that got permission to shoot in, in, in these areas. Um, as a local production. So we were on the road. We were on the move for two whole months um, in November, December in the year 2012. And that was a difficult time in in, in the country. Um, I mean, the socio-political upheaval was great. There was a, there was a sectarian tension in the region. Um, some of the areas we went into, you know, there's heavy security forces in the area. So we had a lot of work on the ground. My producer really had to work to secure the right permits, um, you know, the right kind of lodging. It was deep midwinter, and, you know, all the cast and crew was coming from urban areas, from Lahore, uh, from Karachi, uh, where we used to uh, gentler weather (laughs) and the sun a lot more. So, you Uh know, just, uh, just being able to prepare for that kind of a contingency and and um, that kind of mobility, um, and nobody on the film had ever the crew. I'm I'm now talking about nobody on my crew had ever shot a full-length feature film for two months mm. at end. So, you know, I was a first-time director, uh, a first-time crew. Uh, it was it was going to be a lot of learning on the go, 
and a really beautiful learning, I think, because whoever came on board for this film came with a lot of passion, came mm-hmm. with a lot of courage, because we were doing a very different kind of film than is than is normal in our kind of cinema. You know, we normally, in, in Pakistani cinema, we have uh, uh, what I call the matka and the jhatka kind of mm-hmm. approach. Uh, you know, the item song, the necessary masala that goes into making any, any film uh, that kind of appeals to a certain kind of audience. We were not doing that. We were making a, a heartfelt film that was grounded in realism and was going to look and feel completely different than any other art house film that had come out before. And so the passion with which, uh, you know, the local crew members came and the cast members came, that was really something because they helped push the envelope on the set. You know, when all these difficult conditions exist, it's the it's the sheer willpower and and, the, and and everything of the crew that really pushed everything forward. So I'm very grateful to have had their support. Um, I mean, the actors are tremendous, and everybody on in that team is tremendous. So I really thank them and all the communities uh, in these remote areas that helped us mm-hmm. because it took more than a village, really, to make this film. So I'm truly grateful to all of them as a, as a team. They yeah, helped pull and, it and together. It, and it shows. I mean, it shows in the film that the actors, and um, you can just tell um, from the shots that were shown that, I mean, it was hard to be there. It must must have been very difficult to shoot in those kinds of conditions. But I think you and the crew definitely prevailed, so there's a lot to be proud of here. So I do want to move on into the mother-daughter dynamic in, in the film, which was a, a very special, it's very key to the story, um, and then after we talk about the mother, mother-daughter relationship, I also want to talk about the truck driver and the mother. Um, so, yes. Because I, I, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> but so first, to tell me about this mother-daughter relationship and what made it so special. Was it possibly the relationship you have with your daughter or, or what did you have in mind? I think it's uh, it began with the... Uh, with the inspiration of the initial mother-daughter relationship and mm-hmm. and the really close nature of that bond um, that just, uh, you know, stays... There's something eternal about that. Mm-hmm. And um, and uh, during, you know, the, the 10 years that it, made, it took me to make this film, mm-hmm. uh, I became a mother myself. So mm-hmm. uh, the personal aspect was definitely there and my, my own experience was always there for sure and and always a source of inspiration in some ways. Because whatever we do, I mean, we do it for our children. And at the heart of this film is a story of a mother's sacrifice for her for her mm-hmm. daughter. And so, you know, um, again, that idea of, of how uh, women's stories of sacrifice are often buried, um, mm-hmm. I think that was very important for me because I come from a very strong matriarchal family, you know. I, mm-hmm. I've been brought up by my great-grandmother and, and grandmother, and I've seen, uh, you know, and experienced the very close nature of these bonds and and what um, what women do in everyday lives, living in such patriarchal societies, what they really do to, uh, to raise their children by themselves. So I think mm-hmm. at the heart of it, in a very um, subconscious way, I, I tapped into that kind of experience and that kind of energy um, and somehow transmitted that <laughs> across the page. 
but I really have to thank my 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 two wonderful actresses. Mm-hmm. You know, this was um, uh, for both uh, both the actresses, the the the, wa- the one who plays a mother and the daughter. Um, mm-hmm. This was their first time playing a lead role in a feature film outside mm-hmm. of television. Um, and and the way I cast them was very important. Uh, for instance, mm-hmm. the role of the mother. Uh, she's a very well-known uh, TV actress, uh, Samia Mumtaz. But I, mm-hmm. I knew her work from uh, the theater days, you know, from a very long time ago, almost two decades ago, uh, when she used to work for, um, you know, and she also has a background in activism, and she used to work for Ajoka. So I saw a lot of... Um, a lot of her work that centered around, uh, you know, dramas and plays that have a prominent social issue at the core, and and her presence was always flawless, you know, um, and and she brought with her a kind of energy which I knew would work really well uh, mm-hmm. for the for the kind of chemistry and and the presence that I was looking for the screen. So most of the choices, you know, as directors that we make it, in in the casting, that's 90% of our job. It's right there. Sure. If you cast mm-hmm. the right actor, um, the film is almost there, you know, in some ways, and you can see it happening. So once I had cast Samya, um, I went about looking for who would play the daughter because um, in, in the Pakistani industry, just to put it in context, we we don't really have a thriving cinema industry. We don't really have... Uh, a thriving um, uh, way of finding out, you know, actors, especially child actors. There's no real casting agencies for films. So, you know, mm-hmm. the director really has to go and sort of do a, and, and, and to sort of scout on their own. Um, right. And for this child's role, it was really important to find um, what I was looking for was was a kind of innocence that mm-hmm. was also... Uh, you know, uh, uh, I was looking for a 10-year-old who was on the cusp of puberty, and mm-hmm. yet she still had this innocence. And that's mm-hmm. a very um, uh, a difficult mix to find, you know, uh, from the kind of girls that I was auditioning. That was a very difficult thing to lock down because I was looking at a lot of uh, auditions and, and girls who were coming in from the advertising and, and the commercial sector. Mm-hmm. And they were... They were primed to behave in a certain way in front of the camera, which was just uh, not going to work. So, mm-hmm. um, coming back to this whole, uh, you know, casting process, it, it took it took me several months <laughs> to find Salia. And you know, literally exactly. when she walked into the door, through the door, um, it was like night turned into day. And and when I did some improv exercises with with her and Samia, there was such a palpable chemistry between the two that um, it became the obvious uh, choice and uh, you know the chemistry then you see on screen that's a that's a kind of chemistry that's also nurtured in some ways now as as I mentioned earlier and as you've brought it up you know we were on the road for all this time and what that Mm -hmm. did was that gave us a lot of liberty and time to be together um, Mm -hmm. off the set Normally, what you see in films is, you know, there's a casting call, there's actors get hired, they show up for uh, the day of the shoot, they go back home when the pack-up happens. Mm-hmm. But on our shoot, because we were moving together, it was a road trip mm-hmm. film. So for two right. months, my, you know, my lead actresses were with me um, on the road through all kinds of conditions. And um, what I really loved and saw what was happening offset 
was that Samia was missing her daughter, who was a teenager, and, and Salia was missing her mom, and they bonded in a beautiful way. And, you know, that chemistry translated so well on screen, uh, you know, that kind of uh, uh, freewheeling uh, uh, mother-daughter, you know, pair that you see on screen. So it was right. very easy for me to work with them and vice versa. Uh, because I didn't have to tell them anywhere what to do and what to say, you know. And in some ways, it was so organic. All I mm-hmm. had to do was to plan the right camera angles and the framing, and just capture their energy. And that's yeah. that. That was that was spe- very special for me, I think. Yeah, I, I think the energy was captured so wonderfully. And I, you know, you mentioned it, and I thought the same. Salia's innocence was just so captivating. And it just felt like, you know, she knew what was happening. She knew that the journey that they were on was dangerous, but she was still so innocent the entire time. I mean, especially in that one particular scene where she needed to use the restroom during the while they were in the truck. And it was just so heartwarming to see her, you know, need to go, <laughs> talking to her mother, her mother saying no. You know, I mean, that whole interaction is just, it was so real. It's something that I've done with my mom many times as a kid, so I, I, it, their relationship was beautifully captured. And so, of course, I mean, the film's theme surrounds child marriages, a practice relevant in countries like Pakistan and India, but many times we choose not to speak about it, and it's not it's not um, publicized as much as, we sh- it, as it should be, but through this film, it's almost become your mission to break that silence. So can you talk about the child marriage act and then we'll also go into um, what it led to afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when when social issue films come out like like Dukhtar, uh, especially in in Pakistan, um, I've I've always felt that um, I'm my job as a filmmaker is not to preach. Mm-hmm. Uh, my job is to tell a story, and in that process, uh, entertain them, and through that through that, you know, help them make them think about something and leave them with that thought. Um, so that's how I like to think of it. And and the reason why I do that is because I feel um, that audiences are not just passive recipients um, of entertainment, of cinema, but they're actually, they're, they're catalysts of change. And that's mm-hmm. that's really pivotal in, in, in cultures and countries like Pakistan, I think. It's important... Um, to be able to tell stories uh, that first, you know, A, that, that they break the status quo on something as important as, as child marriage, but B, it also leaves them thinking of, you know, what is it that they can do? And and that's far more important, you know. So what we did with, with this film is, um, and this was very encouraging for us to see, is I always knew that the film had an audience in Pakistan even when financiers thought otherwise, you know. Uh, because in Pakistan, we have a very thriving television industry that, that breaks a lot of, uh, um, in fact, picks up a lot of social taboo issues, you know, socially taboo issues. So so topics like child marriage, incest, divorces, all these kinds of things have been touched upon in television, but not really cinema. So when we were getting ready to, to launch this film, um, it was important to be able to speak to a different kind of audience than just a television audience. And mm-hmm. so what we did we, is that we, uh, we launched 
um, a, a campaign called I Support Tukhtar. You know, our distributor worked with us on that, and they were very, very proactive uh, uh, with this campaign. Is uh, is certain celebrities, um, you know, around the, you know, from from Pakistan, uh, they got up and they spoke about this issue. Uh, they tweeted about it. You know, it, it sort of uh, it started sort of softening up uh, in some ways uh, the issue itself, and and to make people receptive to talking about it. And so when the film came out, um, the film also had, uh, as part of its pre-release, there was an inbuilt message for change. We launched a couple of music videos. You know, there was one very um, popular video, uh, a music video, a Kawali, that we launched before the film, which which is called Ya Rahem Mola Mola. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and, and that spoke... That was from the point of view of the mother. And so okay. already, you know, we laid the groundwork in some ways, a mother's prayer. Um, it was a very powerful call. It was a very powerful prayer. And, you know, the Kawali, the, the, the genre of Kawali, it's usually uh, from a male perspective. But this was one of those rare instances where the Kawali is from a, a mother's perspective. And mm -hmm. people really responded to that, you know, that message and that call and that prayer. And uh, we continued with the release of our other soundtracks that supplemented this message uh, for social change. And the next one that we released was called Jine uh, Chale by Shafkat Amanat Ali. And, you know, mm -hmm. that soundtrack had a very um, uh, an upbeat and message of hope. And, and and that became part of the film's message, core message, too. So by the time the film actually released, we had set the ground for uh, a kind of call to action in some ways for the audience, you know, very subliminally. And that's important. Right. And I think I think in, it worked on various levels for, for different kinds of audiences because right. they went away. You know, we, we, we ran for four weeks straight in our local cinemas which is a huge huge accomplishment for a story and film like this um right. especially by a female director and what that told us what that validated was that there's there's really a hunger for for change there is a, a real hunger for from new kinds of audiences for these kinds of films and they all came they all came to the cinema and that was really uplifting for us Right, right. No, and it's so true. I mean, time and time again, you prove that you've broken many barriers through this film, casting a female protagonist, you yourself being a female film director, and then more so, you were able to help establish a new piece of legislation in Pakistan that has raised that has raised the age of minimum of child marriage from 16 to 18. Can you talk about um, that process and? How involved were you, and, and what that means? Um, I mean, I don't think I did that by myself at all. I think okay. there was there's already a very um, uh, you know a powerful uh, civil society movement in the country uh, right. that's been working on these issues. And what we saw was that once the film was released, it it lent voice to a somewhat silent issue in a more visible way, in a right. more tangible way. Um, and and uh, one of the states, uh, the provinces in Pakistan, the Sindh province, they were able to pass 
uh, a new piece of uh, legislation that raised uh, the minimum age to 18, you know, it used to be 15. Right. And that was a huge milestone for the country, I think, because, um, you know, and I'm, and I'm not saying it's because of the film, but it's it was really part of the larger consciousness that uh, right. existed. Um, it was tapped into that. And, and what's really important is that the Sindh uh, province has the highest rate of child marriages in Pakistan. You know, it's it's a staggering 33%. Um, that's one in every three, uh, you know. And, and for a piece of legislation like that to have happened uh, and to impose harsher penalties, I think that was... Uh, a very pivotal mo- moment for for all the nonprofits and all the civil society working in this area uh, because it took a long time for that to kick through. And what that has do- done is, you know, it has prompted other other provinces, uh, the Punjab province, uh, um, you know, the KPK and the Balochistan. There's there's movements there as well to to change legislation and to to make it you know, tougher. In fact, in Punjab, Punjab is also, you know, uh, the south of Punjab, there's, there's a lot of child marriages that take place. Mm-hmm. So, so so there's been there's been a movement, a very powerful movement in Punjab itself as well, where um, the penalties are now harsher. Uh, mm-hmm. And in fact, the, the clerics that officiate these marriages are now held accountable in a much more tangible way than they used to be. So mm-hmm. you know, I mean, coming coming back to this issue of child marriage, I mean, there's there's so many other aspects tied into it. It's it's not just poverty, it's not just illiteracy, it's it's not just one of those factors. There's a host of other factors, and 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 before um, uh, you know these these laws became tougher, the clerics could could um, could say the vows or could could officiate the marriage without looking at the national ID cards, you know. Now it's right. become necessary for them to look at the national uh, ID cards and to determine, you know, whether the 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 parties are of legal age or not, you know. And, um, I mean, just the idea of, of a girl being registered for a national ID card, that's been a difficult one to push. Very often in in smaller villages, you know, the girls don't have ID cards, so nobody knows what their age is, and so mm-hmm. nobody knows whether it was a child marriage or not, you know. Um, so now, because the penalties are a lot harsher, um, mm-hmm. and the and the clerics uh, are in some way accountable, there is there is you know some uh, you know that has pushed people to think of it differently, and and that's a big step. I think any change that needs to happen on the ground requires some kind of a consciousness and kind of a will to exist, you know, before it can happen. And I think that's a step in the right direction. Um, there's still a big gap. There's still a big gap between the laws that exist on paper and, and what's happening in practice. But I think it's it's precisely because that the status quo and the silence on this issue is broken and become a bigger media issue um, that you know, people are paying attention to it in a more tangible yeah. way. Yeah, of course. And I just want to read off a really quick quote that really resonates with everything that you're saying today. Um, and this this quote is is in the review written by Priya Aurora, and and our listeners can find the review on India.com under the Arts and Culture section. But the quote states: At a time when many forms of social activism are becoming mainstream. 
Dukhtar comes as a sigh of relief for audiences. It is forceful but quiet and impactful but respectful. It leaves viewers with a deep sense of connection to the story instead of coming off as a call to action. And I think that's exactly what you were able to do in a very quiet, subtle way. You were able to make a resounding uh, a, a movement, and, and I think that's that's beautiful. So I, we didn't Thank get you. to talk about this earlier, and I do want to go back on a little lighter note. What was the was the interesting connection between the truck driver Sohail and the mother Ella Raki? What did you see when, when you were creating that kind of a connection? And if you can kind of elaborate on what that really was, because <laughs> I, I was intrigued to see it. <laughs> you know when you know writers do strange things when they write. So when I was writing this story, somehow the truck driver wrote himself into the script. I I, I really cannot say at what point he consciously decided to you know come inside but he did he he just inserted himself in a way that was so organic that i um that i i i was you know i just found myself writing him and the story that it became uh was not just about the mother and daughter but about them and and the reason i think that it works so well is that the film you know the film exists in between different genres and the film is exploring an overall theme uh, from a woman's perspective of of what this what is this search for freedom and what is this search for dignity and love um, in a time when when modernity and, and and tradition and fundamentalism have all come to a head together, you know. And so, when the film was um, navigating itself through being a road trip film, a thriller, and and then this love story, I think it was important because it does inform uh, her, Allah Raki's overall uh, search for a new life, you know. What what mm-hmm. is that idea of hope? What is this new life that could be but isn't? Um, this was this was uh, going to be, I hate to use the word device, but he is, he is one of those uh, characters that exist uh because of that strong will for a new life you know and that's why he willed himself into the the film and and it's really funny you know when i was casting um, casting for this role you know who's going to play the truck driver um uh one of the actors mohib mirza he he approached me when he found out i was i was going to you know i was seeking uh, a truck driver and uh, he normally plays these very uh you know, hero kind of roles, uh, a kind mm-hmm. of more macho kind of sensibility. Mm-hmm. And when he read this role, he he was immediately interested in it because of a deeply uh, complex male character. You know, the kind of stuff mm-hmm. that you don't really see in cinema. Uh, it's it it wasn't a grandiose hero, but he mm-hmm. is one, you know he is one of the heroes in in the film in some way. Um, and he's a very important part of her life and love eventually so so you know the the complexity of the 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 character and his backstory really intrigued him and he he gave a tremendous uh performance in the film i think because there's a kind of vulnerability in him uh mm-hmm. that i find that you know many even many male actors in bollywood uh, you know are hesitant to play that kind of vulnerability and mm-hmm. uh, he sort of broke the stereotype in some ways of of uh, what a male hero should be like, you know, in, in mm-hmm. cinema. 
And yeah. again, you know, coming back to that, I think that's always more interesting than it being, um, is he a good person or a good, uh, you know, is he the hero type or the villain type? Uh, mm-hmm. He's he's both. He's both things, as are some of the other male uh, characters in the film, you know. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's interesting to see that he has an ex-Mujahid past. It's also mm-hmm. interesting to see that he's got a romantic side to him that comes out. And... Um, mm-hmm. That's that's what I think. That's what audiences connect with eventually is the complexity of of the human nature, uh, and the men too in this film. Yeah, of course. No, I I was definitely intrigued by his character the entire time, especially in this one specific moment, which I won't tell the listeners about. But I was astounded to watch him almost save their life in in a very crucial moment of the film while mm-hmm. they were. Uh, in the truck, and then they had to escape from the truck. So I think that moment for me was, it allowed, it showed me, okay, this is a good guy. Because <laughs> that was I wasn't sure if he was yeah, we, a bad we, guy. We won't, we won't speak any further, the plot yeah. here. The plot, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll keep every, all that um, under wraps. So, yeah. you know, obviously you play three hats, and you play them very well, writer, producer, director, and that's no easy feat. So can you tell us, which job was easier, if any, and, and what role would you like to play in the future? Um, that's a difficult question. I think I enjoyed all my roles, and they were all equally different at different points. Mm-hmm. So when when my writing job was done, I was directing, but then while I was directing, I was still the writer. Uh, it's a road trip film, and, you know, the elements kept changing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it was always a balance of of how do you best tell a story under these new set of circumstances? Mm-hmm. Um, how do you best um, capture the light? How do you best, uh, you know, uh, uh, capture the landscape as the light shifts and all of that? So mm-hmm. um, I think the storytelling part was always deeply ingrained and personal. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. the only thing that I felt was far more challenging was my producing hat. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I found that uh, sometimes the decisions I made as a as a producer they were in conflict with the decisions I made as a director and vice versa. Right. Uh, because you know, as a producer, you're more focused on oh, you got to get the job done on time, right. on budget, uh, and everybody be safe, happy, and healthy. And the director in me is, is saying, oh no, but we need to just you know do this one more thing <laughs> and uh, um, and do it you know, in a in, in another hundred kilometers, you know, like keep pushing you know, so 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 the creative side uh, of me was somewhat um always fighting with the right. with the more pragmatic side. Uh but what you see on the screen is a result of a balance. You know, you have to balance that. Right. It's a constant juggling act. Um how do you still uh direct your actors under pressure? I mean there were days on the film, on the set where we would show up, um, you know, after traveling for a whole day, we would show up to a to a new location, and mm-hmm. uh, suddenly we would get a call saying that, uh, you know, the security situation has changed in the area, and mm-hmm. we have only two hours. We have only two hours to film and get out of the area, and mm-hmm. and that was tough. You know, you have a whole day's filming planned, you have your storyboards, your everything laid out, and then suddenly all of that goes out of the window. And mm-hmm. the director in you is is scrambling to do everything in two hours, and the producer in you is scrambling, and your team is scrambling with you to get everything done in two hours. And uh, so I have to say, you know, again, this was 
um, not just me doing it by myself. I'm really grateful right. for having a fantastic team, uh, my my crew, uh, the 40 men that I worked with, my boys. <laughs> I I give them full credit for for making uh, this crazy journey and and film come true. Yeah, you know. yes, definitely. Well, hats off to you and your and your boys. And, and so, looking back now, is there something that you do differently? I know that you threw yourself in all sorts of crazy, hard situations, but something that you may have done differently now. Uh, something I may have done differently. I I would have definitely liked to see more women in the crew. You know, I, I would mm-hmm. have pushed for that. It's just very lonely. It's a lonely time as a as a director, and you have forty men, which is you know great at some level, right. but uh, uh, it was just not possible to find any female crew members uh, for this uh, two month journey. Uh, right. And and I really wish, <laughs> uh, you know, I had more company and more uh, more of that uh, on my side. Right. Uh, but on on a more pragmatic side, I think I would. I would definitely want to focus more as a writer director and have somebody else be the producer. Right. Um it's uh it's something uh, you know for the first film I did that because it was a necessary thing. Mm-hmm. Uh but I think I I really want to focus more now at least with my next film uh which is pretty epic in proportion as well. I really want to focus on my writing and and uh, creative side and not be conflicted uh wearing my producer's hat <laughs> right, at the right. same time. Um it's uh, it's I think it's great to have that kind of uh, synergy on set where you have a full team that can work with you as as the story unfolds. Yeah. Right. And and so with just a few minutes left off here, I wanted I want you to tell the listeners where Dukhtar is headed next. So um, Dukhtar is headed to various places right now. We just finished our New York theatrical run and our uh, Los Angeles run. In fact, tonight it's our, if if people listening in Los Angeles can listen to this, uh, our our last day of playing at the Lemley Music Hall uh, today at the 2.30 p.m. and the 7.20 p.m. show. Uh, we are, we're also playing in uh, Minneapolis right now. Uh, and starting tomorrow, we open up in Chicago for a week at the Wilmette Theater. Uh, we also open up in Sedona, Arizona, playing at the Mary D. Fisher Theater. And then um, we're also headed to Canada in, in Hamilton, in, in Smithers, um, in Fresno, California, um, so for those who are listening and and interested, please uh, visit our website at duchterthefilm dot com, and there you'll be able to uh, get a full sense of where all we're coming and playing in the U.S. and around the world. So yeah, of that, course. Yeah, yeah. So we're still playing in in various festivals uh, outside of the U.S. Uh, and and so on. So we're headed to Egypt, which we're very excited about. So. Yeah, look out for us, Egypt. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's so exciting, and we also have the information listed um, towards the end of the Sadra page on the BTR website, which Afia will share with you, so you could share with your fans as well. So Absolutely. Thank you so much for taking out the time to speak to us today. Um, I hope you enjoyed this conversation just as much as I did, and I it's just 
so ironic that I was able to interview you last year for the South Asian International Film Festival, and here I am, I think a year later, almost exactly, uh, <laughs> for Saja. So our stars are, are very much aligned, and I hope to uh, build a relationship with you even further, and, and Saja hopes the same. So we look forward to uh, sharing this link with our, with our Saja members, and uh, we look forward to seeing your next project. It's been a real pleasure, Trisha, and, and I really want to thank Saja and all its members and Sri again. Um, this is really, you know, it's been a special journey for us all the way from Pakistan and here now in the U.S. So thank you so much for being a part of our crazy journey and stay tuned for more, you know. So thank you. Yeah, of course. Thanks, Alfie. Have a wonderful day. You too. Bye-bye. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye.